0: Before we get started today, I'd like to talk about our new Buy Me A Coffee memberships. Now, when you subscribe monthly for the price of one to five coffees, you also get exclusive benefits like special newsletters, behind the scenes content, and the ability to ask us questions directly, as well as a special shout out here on our podcast. And today I want to thank our first Buy Me A Coffee members, Luis Hens, who is a longtime subscriber of ours and another user who only identified themselves as Fra. So thank you both very, very much. You too should join Luis and Fra and support independent journalism. Head to Buy me a Coffee and subscribe, and starting next week, you can hear your name on Explaining Brazil. If you cannot support us on a monthly basis, you can still tip us a coffee to give us the energy we need to cover a country as complex as Brazil and a region as complex as Latin America. Head to BuyMeACoffee.com slash Report to find out more. This week started with a major red flag coming from Minas Gerais, Brazil's second most populous and second wealthiest state. Multiple law enforcement agencies held sizable protests on Monday demanding better wages from the state government, which controls local police corporations. As salariais, nós vamos lutar por elas até o final. By the end of the day, that protest had evolved into a call for a strike. E nós não vamos recuar
1: a um centímetro. Se
0: and that sparked fear into the hearts of Minas Gerais' citizens. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Brazilian Report. This is Explaining Brazil. The calls for a police strike in Minas Gerais have sent shivers down the spine of many Brazilians. It is illegal for cops to go on strike in Brazil, and walkouts are usually termed as mutinies. When police departments go on strike, they often use their families and loved ones to give the whole thing an air of legality. Typically, the spouses and children of police officers will gather outside precincts and block the doors, preventing, and I'm doing air quotes here, police cars and officers from going on patrols. And there is a good reason police officers are not allowed to go on strike, because when they do, It's usually followed by a massive crime spree. In 2017, officers from the state of Espírito Santo staged their own illegal strike, leading to a wave of looting, robberies and murders over the span of 21 days. It's
1: been reported in the local media that the
0: local morgue in Vitoria, Espírito Santo State, is so full that there are bodies on the ground. Over 200 people were killed, and carjackings increased tenfold. The international press compared the scenes from state capital, Vitoria, to the 2013 dystopian horror movie, The Purge, in which all crimes are permitted for 12 hours. Local officials closed schools, health clinics, and public transportation, while shops and other businesses closed their shutters. The losses from this forced shutdown were estimated at about 30 million US dollars, according to a state retail association. But that figure did not include property damage and looting, which affected around 300 stores. The strike occurred at a peak vacation season in the region and decimated tourism one of the region's largest sources of income. Two years ago, a similar scenario unfolded in Ceará, a state in Brazil's northeast. For 13 days, cops remained on strike. Throughout that period, over 300 homicides occurred in the state, making that month the most violent February ever recorded in Ceará. At one point, one senator literally tried to bulldoze a police picket line and was shot. Regardless, police officers do have a point when they demand better wages. According to the Brazilian Forum of Public Security, which conducts research into violence and law enforcement in Brazil, the average cop's salary is around just US$1,000 a month. I mean, that is ridiculously low considering the constant danger they face. Meanwhile, state governments are so desperately cash-strapped that it would be financial suicide to give in to the police's demands. In Minas Gerais, for instance, the government already spends two-thirds of its net revenue on salaries and pensions as it is, and the current crisis underlies a deeper problem in Brazil's security apparatus the increasing politicization of police forces that has essentially made governors hostages to their own law enforcement agencies. And President Jair Bolsonaro has been sympathetic to the police cause. He himself is a former army captain whose career was cut short by insubordinate acts in the pursuit of better wages. Many governors say they believe cops are holding these mutinies because they feel the president has their back. Rafael Alcadipani is a professor at Think Tank Fundação Getúlio Vargas and a member of the Brazilian Forum of Public Security, and we ask him to join us this week to discuss the current boom of police tracks in Brazil. Rafael, thanks for joining us. So, fill in our listeners here. Why exactly did police officers in Minas Gerais stage these protests on Monday?
2: As far as I understand, uh, the Minas Gerais governor, Romeu Zema, uh, has said he would make a salary increase on police officers divided into three installments. He did something some uh, about a year ago, and sorry, about two years ago, and now he had to give some more money. And as far as I know, he's not paying what he has promised the police officers to do. So this has generated uh, some unease between the police officers and the governor, and they were protesting those days, especially today.
0: Right in moments after the protest, police unions voted to go on strike. If these calls are upheld and enforced, how worried should we be?
2: I think this is very problematic, especially because uh, many of the protesters were military police officers and military police officers are not meant to be uh, doing protests and things like that. Even the commander of the mili- the Minas Gerais military police was supporting the demonstrations against the government, which, in my point of view... Is a breach of disciplinary in the in the military police. He's breaking the discipline, and this is very problematic. Uh, given even the the past of the relations between the military police and the state of Minas Gerais, they had strikes in the past, and this can can grow, can grow and can grow and can become very problematic, especially in an year when we are going to have general elections. So I think we should watch this uh, with very attentive. Uh, because the situation can derail and if you have a strike of police officers in Minas Gerais this can affect other states and also we this can impact on criminality and all other issues
0: Police strikes which took place in recent years have been followed by a rapid surge in crime right
2: Yeah that's it that's the big that's the biggest concern right when police officers go on strike usually criminals and who else know uh, also, we started to make crimes. there are an increase on murders there there are the population gets very concerned. Um, I think the bottom line here is that in Brazil, the military police has very has they have uh, a very strong power because there are too many. they are even more than the military, so it's very difficult to control situations when they go on strike
0: and as you mentioned, police strikes are completely legal in Brazil. And yet they have become increasingly common in recent years. One researcher, José Vicente Tavares, from the Federal University of Rio Grande do Sul, counted a total of 715 strikes just between 1997 and 2007. Now, why is this happening and why so many strikes?
2: First, there is a lower, a poor uh, working relations in the military police. They have they, in some states, they are low paid and the working conditions are very bad in one hand. On the other hand, is that they are very, very powerful as I was saying before. They have more police officers the military police officers than the, the military soldiers in Brazil. So, that some extent, they can leave the governor of the state hostage of their interests, especially their corpor- corporativist interests, which is very problematic. What happens is usually they get amnesty from the Congress or from from either the the state assembly, so nothing happened to them. Yeah, and to
0: illustrate your point, the House passed a bill last year granting amnesty to officers who staged mutinies in eight states over the course of the past two decades, and the Supreme Court upheld most of its provisions. Now, police forces operate under state administrations, but they have become increasingly independent. To the point of defying their commander-in-chief, who is the local governor, what are the risks of that?
2: They think that's the point. They are are getting more and more independent. They are getting more and more power. They have police officers from the military police who go to the parliament, who are elected, who become members of parliament. And so this creates a cycle which is very dangerous because the state is unable, the politicians are at some extent unable to control the military police. And this is very scary.
0: Many political observers are worried that President Jair Bolsonaro is trying to co opt police forces and politicize them. I mean, is this fear warranted? Is Bolsonaro some sort of cop whisperer?
2: I think Bolsonaro has been trying to do it over the last three years, four years since he started his term. Uh, but on the other hand, I think also the military police, at some extent, they are very careful in terms of going to adventures uh, uh, driven by the Brazilian president. But this is—it's always tense, right? This is, can be always tense because at the end of the day, if a strike happens or something bad happens, and the military police tries to do something against the state, we know that the Brazilian military would not be in the in the side on the side of the law, or at least until the courts are called to, and ask them to take in action. So I think this is very problematic, because at some extent, Jair Bolsonaro, he uses this as a, as a, as a way to blackmail the population, the governors and everything. So this is very tense. But I think uh, it could happen, but I don't think it's a high probability that that happen, especially if, I mean, after the election results, and it becomes clear that Bolsonaro has lost the election, if he loses the election, no one knows yet. I think that at the end of the day, the military police officers as institutions, they know they cannot go against the public will. And I think to stage a coup or something like that would be very problematic and dangerous for everyone, especially for Brazil. Having said that, uh, I think they can create some mess as it happened in the United States, in the Capitolio and situations like that. It may happen. So just to be clear,
0: we're talking about the military police here. But if we can, let's just circle back and explain how Brazil's police forces work. We have got two corporations, the military police and the civil police. Why do we need both? And is that a model we see in many other countries?
2: Yeah, the military police, they are a different agency than the civilian police. The civilian police does the investigation and the military police does patrol and riot riot control. That's what's more, more or less what they do. Both of them are under the states and the states and the provinces of Brazil, not the federation. Uh, And I think that's that's the, the short explanation of how the Brazilian police model works. It's a very unique Brazilian model. It's very unusual to have police forces which are divided between the ones who do patrol and the ones who do investigation. Usually in most of the countries, the police does everything. One police agency does everything. So Brazil has this very curious way of organizing the police forces.
0: Rafael, well, the nineteen eighty-eight constitution was meant to democratize police forces, but Brazil is clearly far from that. Where has the country failed in this process?
2: I think we need to do a police reform in Brazil. And we have to reorganize the Brazilian police agencies and you have to make it accountable for the public. The way it is now, I don't think the Brazilian the Brazilian society has a lot of account to make the police forces accountable. The public attorney who shoots Overseas police work, they don't do it. Sometimes they conflate with the police. And so it's very complicated. We have to do a reform, institutional reform, in terms of controlling the police and having an effective external control of the police. This doesn't take place properly in Brazil now.
0: Now, when you talk about the police reform, what do you mean? I mean, should we merge both the military and civil polices and maybe make one of them extinct, for example?
2: I think they, they could involve, but we have to have all the society participating on this and having public and very good debates in terms of which police Brazil wants. What's the Brazilian police that the Brazilian society needs? That's not the one we have now because the model has too many problems and leaves to issues like the strikes we're seeing now. So we have to have a big social participation on debates and which is the police that Brazil needs. And what do you think? Is
0: there any chance that one of these reform proposals move forward?
2: Well, it all depends on the results of the next general election. I think with, if if Bolsonaro loses the election and he has not a very strong hold in the parliament, I think this may well happen. Because most of Brazilian society, they feel afraid of their police forces, and especially now when they were like dancing with Bolsonaro against the, the democracy. I think there is a lot of resentment of the Brazilian population, which may lead to a reform, a necessary reform in the Brazilian police.
0: Rafael Alcadipani is a professor at think tank Fundação Getúlio Vargas and a member of the Brazilian Forum of Public Security, which conducts research into violence and law enforcement in Brazil. Speaking of police reform, we'll talk about one of the Brazilian police's biggest problems its high lethality. We'll be right back. <coughs> We at The Brazilian Report have launched an in-depth report telling you everything you need to know to prepare yourself for this year in Brazil. You might already know that Brazil will elect a new president in October, and there are several other issues you should be aware of, such as the impacts of China's recent transformations on Brazil, the extreme climate events that will affect Brazilian agriculture, the state of congressional elections, and which way the economy is likely to go. You can purchase the report on our website and all of our listeners can enjoy a special 22% discount. Just use the promo code EXPLAINING22. Ian Marshall, hello. Hi, Gustavo. So, Ian, the police in Brazil are known for their excessive use of force, especially in peripheral communities. Do we have the numbers to back that perception?
1: Yes, so the latest available data is from 2020. uh, And that's bearing in mind that this was in the first year of the coronavirus pandemic. That's when the social isolation restrictions were working their best. But even so, the police managed to break their own record of killings. And there were over 6,400 deaths in Brazil by police action and that's almost as many total murders which were recorded in the Philippines, which has half of Brazil's population but is notorious for high crime rates and police brutality. And also shows a rapid and dramatic increase in police lethality because in 2013 there were roughly 2,200 police killings in the country.
0: So we've seen that these killings were going up by three times in less than a decade. But as we often find in Brazil when it comes to crime figures, data collection is so poor that sometimes a massive spike can be put down to better methodologies rather than just worsening reality, right?
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, But while some experts have pointed to that to explain the kind of soaring death numbers, it only actually accounts for a part of the problem. So the truth is that, yeah, Brazil is getting better at recording crime figures, but it's also true that the police are getting more violent in certain states. Um, I mean, let's take one police operation in Rio de Janeiro last year as an example. Uh, In May of that year, a total of 28 people died and four others were injured when the police raided the Jacarezinho favela in the north of the city. And the irony of this was that this came one year after the police operations in favelas had been restricted due to the pandemic. And those restrictions created something of a paradox in Rio. Because there were, in fact, fewer raids, and the total number of police killings did drop. But the past couple of years, have also seen two of the largest police massacres ever recorded in the state. And that's according to the urban violence platform Fogo Cruzado.
0: And can we ponder on why is the police getting more violent?
1: Well, I mean, violence is an epidemic in Brazil. And when we look at the absolute numbers of violent deaths in the country, I mean it's it's larger than India, which has a larger population, and other conflict zones such as you know Syria, Nigeria, and Afghanistan. And when we look at the rate of violent deaths per hundred thousand people, Brazil ranks tenth among all countries which aren't currently under armed conflict. And you know it's it's not a new phenomenon but it has nurtured this building fear inside many Brazilians, which helped the rise of law and order, tough-on-crime politicians, of which, you know, President Jair Bolsonaro is the biggest example. And because Bolsonaro has said on multiple occasions that the answer to Brazil's violence problem is for the police to be even more violent than the criminals.
2: If the vagabundo is 380, you have to be com fuzil. Se você está com fuzil, você tem que estar com a bazooka ou com um tanque de guerra.
1: And he also wants Brazilians to arm themselves, and he's, you know, consistently backed measures to loosen firearm restrictions.
2: Não é com beijinho paz e faz amor. Esse politicamente correto já deu que tinha que dar. Ninguém aguenta mais, Daniel.
0: Now, funny you mentioned that, because. Just for a little bit of self-promotion here, back in October 2017, one of our first articles ever published on the Brazilian Report was titled, Brazil and the Rising Tide of Authoritarianism. And while most, maybe all big media outlets in Brazil dismissed Bolsonaro as a candidate who had no real shot at winning the presidency, we explained why we saw that differently. and, And we had said that he was the only one at the time who was aspiring to the presidency Tapping into violence as his campaign's primary focal point. And, I mean, that strikes a chord with Brazilian voters. But, I mean, back to our topic, has the real state government continued its strategy based on heavy policing
1: Well, it recently launched a heavily funded police program to occupy certain favelas. Um, Experts were quite critical of the plan because, you know, one, it turns police squads into these de facto occupation forces, which are not necessarily trusted by the local populations. And two, it lacks adequate planning to sustain any sort of long-term results.
0: And how have Brazilian institutions reacted to that escalation in police violence?
1: Well, at the beginning of this month, um, the Supreme Court decided to establish ground rules for police operations in Rio de Janeiro. So, I mean, here's what they said. So, state governments must present a lethality reduction plan within 90 days with specific KPIs and deadlines. They also must create an oversight committee on proximity policing. They must give priority to investigations of operations which involve underage casualties And they must make it mandatory for ambulances to be present whenever there's a kind of expectation of armed confrontation between the police and criminal groups.
0: Now, our guest uh, Rafael Alcadipani said earlier in this episode that police forces are dangerously growing dependent from state governments, but are there efforts to increase accountability?
1: Fortunately, yes, there are. Um, all but two state administrations have either implemented or are testing programs that give officers body cameras, which will monitor their actions at all times. And the state of Sao Paulo was a pioneer in this regard. Uh, official data shows that killings linked to battalions that use cameras dropped by as much as 85%. And as a matter of fact, the Sao Paulo police killed 570 people in 2021. You know, while that number is absurdly high, it's nearly half as many as in 2017 when it broke its own records with 940 deaths. So killings have been down over the past four years after an upwards trend in the previous decade. And that's the effect of political decisions that are less tolerant towards police abuse.
0: Now, it's interesting you mention that, because many governors were recently elected in that law and order wave you mentioned. And that includes São Paulo's João Doria. During the 2018 campaign, Doria said that under his command, officers would, quote, shoot to kill if suspects did not immediately surrender. And now you're saying that under his administration, the state government of Sao Paulo is actually making some effort in increasing police accountability.
1: Well, uh, our Brasilia correspondent, Amanda Aldi, she mentioned in a piece about why Doria is failing to take off as a presidential candidate. And she was saying that part of the problem is, you know, Doria will say whatever he needs to gain an extra vote. And so it would seem that this "shoot 1st ask later stance was more of a campaign strategy than actual policy. Um, It's worth remembering that he rode on Jair Bolsonaro's coattails in 2018, and before the election he actually urged the electorate to vote Bolso-Doria. But you know, that being said, we should say that Doria is doing his part to keep cops happy. How so? Well, just a couple of weeks ago, he announced a 20% raise for the state's police agents and health workers. So this decision will be enforced in March and also affects retired workers. So we're looking at over 541,000 people who should be benefited from it.
0: Now, I would bet that Romeu Zemo in Minas Gerais would love to be able to offer a similar raise to his cops right now. And I was texting just before we started recording this podcast with a cop from countryside Minas Gerais And he said that things are hitting the fan and that they have engaged in a sort of strike that is not actually a strike that you go out with a police car, but you do not approach any suspects whatsoever. You just, quote, let it happen. So,
1: Yeah, and, and that's the thing, because police forces and state governments, they can work in harmony, but as long as the price is right. You know, and that's just going to keep continuing for as long as law enforcement is underpaid and for as long as states are strapped for cash.
0: Ewan, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Gustavo. And if you like Explaining Brazil, please drop us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It takes only a second, and it's really helpful to get more people finding out about this show. Or you can sign up to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. We offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the website for a week without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. And once again, thank you for our Buy Me A Coffee members, Luis Hans and Fra. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. See you next week.